You're listening to the Good Food for Glasgow podcast. This episode is a spotlight on one initiative working in the south side of Glasgow, Kin Kitchen. Kin Kitchen is a community food project which aims to bring people together using food and to facilitate cultural exchange. In this episode, we'll hear from the Kin Kitchen team on what they're passionate about, the focus and values of their project and their hopes for the future. I think this episode gives a great insight into the work and consideration that goes into a successful community project in its early stages, and I hope you'll enjoy listening. First up, we'll hear from founder Jess to hear how Kin Kitchen got started. I'm Jess, and in 2019, myself and my partner Chris were chatting about doing something with food, and we both really liked the idea of doing something that wasn't a paid for thing or it certainly wasn't us making profit we have a lot of passion for food and recognize it as a great way of connecting people so we decided to just to start doing some pop-up meals and there was never really a specific goal i think also what there was was a passion from both of us and an understanding of how to create a project for the first like year we did pop-up meals and we just donated the money to charities or predominantly human rights organizations people working with asylum seekers and refugees and other emergency vital services essentially and obviously shouldn't be provided by the charity sector but are and so yeah we just have like a pop-up meal and then donate the money it was just me and chris for the first year and then we were going to start doing alternate pop-up meals and then community meals basically like pay it forward sort of model and then that was the 19th of march or something 2020 so we cancelled that event obviously and then we kind of just like marinated on it for like two years i guess for wider context of us chris has worked extensively in kitchens and has also worked for community food projects and in other climate focused projects and I work predominantly in community development and social cultural like racial kind of integration work so we both had a broad understanding of how to facilitate and create a community project but also acknowledged that there were certain skills and perspectives and knowledges that we didn't have and so in the spring of 2022 we put an open call out for people to get involved in the project basically being like we don't really know where this is gonna go but we have a lot of energy for it and a lot of passion for it so yeah we got a bunch of people together we did our first pop-up Jafar was one of the first volunteers of King Kitchen and we just did this pop-up event that was kind of mental there was like 70 people there and we were using a kitchen that wasn't really equipped for that my dad said I was over ambitious and I think he was right but it was a really nice night like it was good fun and it was a good launch and we made some money that meant we could start actually doing the community side of things it was like a good we're back and this is what we're about and just raising a bit of awareness and then start to kind of get the wheels in motion for the rest of it so that's how it came to be in short I'm Chloe. I think I first came across Kim Kitchen when a call was put out for translators for the recipe book. I think that was like the first thing I saw on Instagram. I was like, oh, okay. And I had like a little scroll through the Instagram and saw that the link was in your bio for the open call for volunteers and just filled that in because I was like, this seems really cool. I really like the idea of food being a communal thing and a thing that brings people together especially in a city that's so diverse food always should be a communal thing and like a community thing and so I filled it out and then Jess gave me a phone a few weeks later and then I think 
I came to my first volunteer meal in September or October so I think I've been with King Kitchen for about six months now and it's been really really fun. I've kind of got involved in a lot of things and it's just really nice meeting people and everyone's so friendly and so interesting and has such different backgrounds and things that they are very knowledgeable about. And Jafar, so Jess was saying that you were there at the first pop-up. What made you want to get involved with King Kitchen? Why well, I enjoy King Kitchen? I enjoy King Kitchen. Uh, I like I like cooking food. And uh, I work before the kitchen and the grease and in, in Turkey also. And uh, I love milk food for other people. And I see the people enjoy with my food and mention the food with another culture and other, other people, another community, you know, and the Arabic food uh, need the more people, you know, what's, what's the food means for, for me and for, for King Kitchen, for everyone. The food is like life for me. We do everything about the food and I enjoy it. The Salem Secret do like what you, you want to do, like food or something like that. This for me, he give me sport and my motion is very good when I do cook for the food, for the people, for another people. And the Scotch food and <laughs> Mexican, we mix every everything we put my dish in Arabic food, makluba and falafel. I came along to your meal on Saturday and I had your rice, Jafar, and it was really delicious. I really enjoyed it. I will say that was my favourite my favorite thing on the plate. Uh, thank you. <laughs> the makluba. You make me shy now. <laughs> you know it's good, Jafar. You know it's good. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's probably also good to say now the pillars of it. So it's a vegetarian and vegan project. Most of the food we make is vegan, predominantly for accessibility so that everybody can eat. We don't want there to be food waste. It's also just more affordable to make that kind of food. And myself and Chris are vegetarian. And in terms of sustainability as well, we think it's important to try and make food that is as sustainable as possible, as locally sourced as possible and seasonal. So that was why we made that decision. Also, we just wouldn't cook meat because we don't eat meat. So that would have been a bit odd. And then other parts of the project are about social inclusion. So we believe in using food as a tool to connect and create community and for people to be able to share their own cultures and their own knowledge. And also we've got an element of like addressing food poverty and food education. And that's it, sustainability, social inclusion, food poverty and food education. So everything we do, we try and have a sort of element of that in it. It's certainly one of those things. Food like music, I said before, for jazz. Music, you know, everybody listen to music. Everybody love the music. Like the food. Everybody love the food. Or food. And we met new people, talk with the new people. Social life. First time I met a lot of people. I don't know him before. I don't know the culture here. I don't know every nobody here. And now everybody know me and know a lot of people from the food, from my food. Everybody. He, he know me now. This point and another point, we share. We share the food and we share the recipe for another culture, an Arabic culture. We need to uh, share the recipe for everyone know how he can make the food in the home. Some people are like asylum secretary, Fiji. A lot of people, he doesn't know how he can cook egg. Some people, he want work 
this work with the kitchen and uh, some people he need uh, work in the restaurant, he need help, he need to uh, know how he can do this recipe and home. He, some people he need to enjoy uh, in the recipe and home. How can people find your latest recipe book? It's on our website. If you go on to the project page, it's the Govan Hill Cookery Exchange. You'll find information about the actual project that we just did. And you can download a copy of the recipe book that was designed and illustrated by T, who was another one of the participants on the project. We did give out physical copies at the event, but we only got 50 printed. So I think you got one though, Talia, didn't you? Yep, I have one. So you can make true falafel. (laughs) Yeah. And I will be, I will be after this for sure. I'm here with a volunteer at Kim Kitchen, Roisin. Roisin, what are you up to today? What's your role? I'm here on the merch stand. Um, we've got some t-shirts and we've got some tote bags. Um, all going for very reasonable prices to support Kim Kitchen and its future ventures. And if people aren't here today, where can they find the merch if they want to buy it online? Is that possible? Well, good news. King Kitchen now has a website. You can acquire t-shirts and tote bags on the website. So get yourselves down there as soon as possible. So you're all volunteers. I'm interested, especially for you, Jess, kind of, so you had this passion around food and you all have this passion and involvement. I feel like at the moment, and I struggle with this, every passion I have, I'm like, how can I monetize this? So I find it really interesting that you had this passion, but instead of thinking, okay, how can we make some money off it, that you knew from the start that you wanted it to be nonprofit. So one, that decision, but also, so you're volunteer run, but as you kind of mentioned, there are all these things that really the government should be covering but aren't. What's that maybe kind of balance between wanting to do something for free because you care about it and you're not looking to profit, but also that maybe there should be some more money or funding available in this area and maybe you shouldn't have to work voluntarily. In terms of the idea of passion and not monetizing it, I guess it's important to say that we are still developing as an organization and the intention is never to be exploitative of the people that are contributing. So people do get paid if we need certain skills that aren't in the group. So Chloe mentioned about a call out for translators. So we give it meal kits at the Govan Hill Market, the G42 pop-up market, and we had the recipes translated into 15 different community languages and we didn't have all those languages spoken in the team so what we did was we paid people basically we got some funding for accessibility and we did that and we also did an event with the hidden gardens in October last year for Black History Month and it was a celebration of African and Caribbean food and culture and again like we didn't have the knowledge in the team to cater that event so we hired two chefs one from Nigeria and one from Trinidad and I think it's very important to differentiate between those things and as we grow and as we kind of move forwards like we have become incorporated as a community interest company and we have every intention to be a self-sustaining organization where people are paid for their work it's just that when you're developing an organization, it's really important, in my opinion, to strike that balance. And when you start out, particularly to look at what you can do with the resources you have and how you can develop. And so the kind of organizational integrity is maintained. And as you develop into an organization that could be an employer, you make sure that the core of what you started out 
as is maintained so it's never a thing of like we're never gonna be an employer or no one's ever gonna earn from it because there is a certain line to which it's not really acceptable to ask people to volunteer their time if someone's you know regularly running a project and that requires certain skills also requires them to you know do evaluation and to be line managed by me or another person there's certain things that do need to be a paid opportunity but we're looking at how we integrate that into the organization and the primary goal is to do what we set out to do and it's also to be sustainable in our practices and obviously if you explode and everyone's paid at the start then you're not going to have any money left so we are looking at how we shape that yeah we became incorporated in february and we've got a board and it's just making sure that we have all the groundwork laid so that's like volunteer policy it's like health and safety policies it's like it's all the boring stuff that nobody ever wants to look at and it's not that we've not done all these things already but it's like really making sure that everything is like rigorously like in place so it's just developing and it's hard to develop on one end and what everyone sees the really fun community projects and all that and then also behind the scenes making sure that as you grow what you're doing is thinking about everybody and how you make that the most fair situation because yeah volunteering is amazing and it's a really valuable thing but especially being someone who's so involved in the organization running of the project like it is exhausting and you need to be conscious of not giving too much of yourself because then you have nothing left to give to any other part of your life so yeah that's definitely been something that i've learned how to balance both things and right now we're at capacity in terms of what we can do in our current form and we want to do more i think that's important to note is it's not like we want to start making money and people getting paid because we need to monetize it for our own benefit not there's anything wrong with that but it's like we want to continue doing more we know there's a demand for the project we know what we're doing is engaging and we have a lot of skill and a lot of knowledge in the team and we want to build that and support the people that are involved in the project and nourish them and make everyone feel part of something and be able to help it grow and, and get a lot from that so yeah it's interesting we're sort of just like there's no blueprint it's super collaborative we meet every month and we have a meal and we chat about things and everybody gets involved with what they want to get involved with. I mean, Chloe did a cooking class a couple of weeks ago. We did a book of cooking classes run by the volunteers. People have opportunities to do these different things and we kind of decide together what makes sense to do. So that's the response to like the volunteer side of it. It's interesting doing a project like this right now, particularly in the last year when the demand for basic services, basic human rights, has skyrocketed and inequality is getting worse and worse. I have no issue with food banks in terms of the people that are running the food banks and people that are, are donating. I can appreciate that there is a need for them and we can't just ignore that need. But what we do is we try and look at a whole systems approach to solving a problem. And part of that is making points about things and trying to create systems which are actually fair. We plan to do stuff like have growing projects where people have access to fresh food. We've done work with other organizations that have got those kind of things. We believe in instilling as much impact as possible in anything we do. So the event we just did, we had the project, which was amazing. The cookery exchange with different participants and Jafar was one of the participants from different places. And then we made a recipe book and we had this big community meal and then everyone could take the recipe book away. And so hopefully that then has an impact. It's hard to measure, obviously. And also what you don't want to do is, for example, if you give out a meal kit and you say you have to make this food and tag us and blah, blah, blah. Like it's not about that. There needs to be dignity as much as possible and there needs to be choice as much as possible for people. We don't believe 
believe in doing things for people. We believe in doing things with people and it to be as community led as possible. And there's a lot of work that goes into that. It's complex to do and a lot of people just decide not to do that, I think, because I'm not blaming anybody. It's, it's resources, it's time, it's money. And we have a lot of freedom as a project that isn't really tied to funders and that is kind of really just powered off of people being class and really wanting to help and we have a lot of freedom to then pivot and make decisions about certain things that we want to address. So yeah, I mean, it's an absolute riot. The fact that people are using food banks continuously, food banks should only really be used in, in times of absolute crisis. People shouldn't be dependent on the food bank for years. Children shouldn't spend their entire childhood being fed by food banks. I mean, in Govan Hill alone, 73% of children live in child poverty. It's a serious, serious issue and it doesn't need to be. And that's what's so frustrating about it is it shouldn't be the case. And there has been a really big shift in the past couple of years, I think, from the pandemic and also austerity as well, the cost of living crisis. There's people responsible for this. It's not just like it just happens and oh no. There's been a huge shift in the charity sector and the nonprofit sector just bearing the brunt of that in a really major way. And we don't have any issue feeding people. We want to feed people, of course, but we see food as a way to do more than just that. It's a cultural thing, it's a social thing, it's a political thing. And we want that to be very much embedded in the project and everything that we do have that impact and have that legacy. What would you say it is that's made Kin Kitchen such a success? To have 70 people at your first event after the pandemic is really impressive. And do you think that's just that missing gap of food and connection that you're filling or what's made it possible to have delivered so much in your first year? I think what's really important actually to note now is that a lot of the stuff we've done in the past year, particularly like 2022, was in partnership with other organisations. So we did a, a meal on Carfin Street. So there's a growing project there run by the People's Pantry. They did this like pilot project of growing vegetables basically just like on the street with the local community and so the meal that we did was part of the Govan Hill Festival and we didn't use the vegetables that were in the beds but the meal was made out of the food that was in the beds if that makes sense like it was inspired by the food in the beds and so people obviously came to eat but they also came to celebrate a project and you know do those things the same with the, with other stuff that we've done like we've done a huge amount of partnership work over the past year like we've worked with loads of different organizations and I think that that is a testament to the interconnected nature of the area as well and how people really want to work with each other and support each other and so we we've had engagement from a lot of people that we probably wouldn't have had if we'd not been working with another organization who had pre-existing connections with those people so it's difficult to say how much of it is us and how much of it is them and we've been really really grateful for that partnership work and actually this event that we did just there at the weekend was the first community meal we'd done by ourselves that wasn't like a paid for event and so I was a bit nervous because I was like, what if nobody comes? <laughs> like, what if it's, what if people don't actually care? And it is complex and difficult to build a community when you're not in one fixed location. Like we don't have a space and we don't deliver the same things every week or every month. We do lots of different stuff. We do cooking classes. We do projects like this. We do community events, um, meal kits, workshops. Like we do lots of different things. So building a community is quite difficult because people, they need consistency and they need trust. And so if you don't have the same physical location and if you're not doing things consistently then it can be complex. I do think a lot of it comes out of also just the area that we're in as well. Most of the stuff we do is kind of in the Round Govan Hill but you know it's a south side project we have done stuff in other places and 
I just think that the community here genuinely does want that. They want community. <laughs> and I think it's quite unique, certainly from my experience of living in different places, is that like the south side of Glasgow, like there really is an understanding for most people that when you come here, you, you participate. If you're from here and you live here, that like you participate in, in those wider things. And that is a really lovely thing. When we have events, it's never like, oh, there's like one group coming. It's like there's lots of different people that get engaged and get involved. So I think that as well, I think that we have to attribute a lot of the success to where we are and who we've worked with. I don't think it's just us. And I think that we're a collaborative project in the sense that we've got a team of people who are collaboratively working to create something. And we believe in collaborating with other people to do stuff as well. So I think that the biggest thing is just being open to that, being open to whatever possibilities are. And we don't really get funding. Like we've not really been able to access funding because we only were incorporated in February. So we weren't really able to access like most funding. So the only funding that we've accessed was we got a small amount of money from the Southeast Integration Network to do the accessibility stuff, to do the translations of the recipe kits. And then we got the money from the Govan Hill Housing Association. The project got, got voted in by the Govan Hill community. And so we got a thousand pounds from them to do that project. So everything else has been essentially like self-funding, either through like pop-up meals and kind of fundraising through that way or we did a big fundraiser last year or through partnership work where basically what we do is someone says, can you guys do this? And we say, yeah. And if you pay us just like cost price for it and then we'll give you a sliding scale donation to help us then do the next things for the project so that's really how we've been working and so those partnerships would have been if we hadn't had them we wouldn't have done anything <laughs> basically because we wouldn't have had any money and we wouldn't have had any opportunity so i think it is really important to say that a lot of what we've done in the past year has been from a lot of organizations trusting that we can do it and wanting to support and wanting to work with us and it's been great because we've done so many class things so what I'm thinking about in some of what you said is around the consistency that you're mentioning. And obviously, in order to have that consistency of a location, of activities that you run regularly, all these things, that requires a huge amount of resource. And what you're saying around your flexibility and how you're organized and your ability to pivot to different things is very grassroots and connected to the people that are running it. The level of resources that you have very much reflects that grassroots nature of your organization, but also in an ideal world, what kind of resources would you like to have access to and what sorts of things would you maybe like to be running in the future? The ideal model, and it's something that we're working towards as like as a board, is having our own space that is a community space kind of first and foremost but also with like a kind of cafe element to it so that we can fundraise and you know do stuff like catering in that space as well and then use the space for lots of different community events classes we can also hire out the space other groups who needed it kind of sliding scale basis and tries try and basically establish a physical base I and mean, that as a resource would be incredible but that obviously would also cost us a lot of money. So yeah, just like doing things at a pace that makes sense and so that we can have multiple income streams that everybody gets paid who does work beyond a certain level. We don't do catering as a, as a kind of general rule at the minute, even though we probably could make quite a lot of money from it because we don't have paid staff. So it's like you can't ask people to do catering because it's just that's just hospitality work essentially you're just asking people to give their time for free and it's not like there's a thing at the end of it that's like oh fun community event like nice thing to do it's just like give people food that are taking the food away and then you're like okay so yeah it's about looking at income streams as well like so basically how we can fund a core model 
through our own income. And I think that's also really important in terms of like funding. Like we don't want to be funding dependent because then we can't do stuff like pivot. We can't then change and do something that we feel is really important. We, we want to have as much money that is unrestricted as possible so that we can be as responsive to the needs of the communities that we're working with and the team that people want to do stuff. We've got plans that we're working towards with that, but I guess it kind of also goes back to what I was saying before. The most important thing is that we continue to develop and build a project that people feel part of and that they can contribute to and that we're doing what we set out to do. And so if we never get there, then we never get there. The aim is never how can we monetize it for individual gain. It's always how can we make this a better project, a more accessible project, a bigger project or whatever for the communities that we work with and the people that are involved. But in a perfect world, we would have all the resources. (laughs) We had a van, that would be amazing. There's so many logistical elements to doing any event because all our stuff is scattered across the south side and there's some of the volunteers drive and so there's always a lot of stuff that needs to happen for us to do anything. But it's part of it and it's just grassroots stuff. It's just you make do with what you've got, so. And talking about that, you know, that the people who are part of it can shape it and choose what they want to do. Chloe, Jafar, what are some parts of Kin Kitchen that you really love and that you kind of would like to do more of in the future? I think I really like the food education part of it. Community meals are fun and stuff, but the cookery classes and the cookery exchange and the thing that you and Amelia did with Rumpus Room, Jess, doing cooking stuff with kids, because what we said earlier about 73% of kids living in poverty, that is wild and kids should above everyone have access to food. Food education, especially for kids, is something that's so important. So I'd love to see more things surrounding that. And I think also some growing projects would be really, really fun to do. But obviously that requires like a lot of resources to reality. But I think that would be really, really fun to do as well. Jafar, what about you? What would you like to do with Kin Kitchen in the future? More cookery exchange? Do you see yourself catering more community meals? What have been your favourite bits so far? The Kin Kitchen in the future, we have a lot of plan for my mind that I want to do with the Kin Kitchen. We have a lot, a lot of ideas in the Kin Kitchen I want to do in the future and now I know I know a lot of scotch food when I go to the restaurant the first time I don't know how is this tasty maybe good maybe not good if I buy if I don't buy now I don't I know the food so I, is the taste and I tell the people this food good this food maybe not delicious and I know I learn more for my friend Valentino Spanish food and the Greek food me, I tell him about the Syrian food and Arabic food. It's about this tasty food that you're mentioning, food education as well. Sharing this knowledge of how people can eat food that maybe is local, seasonal, good for the planet, but also really tasty and that you've put care and love and has maybe a cultural heritage to it that people might not have cooked around before. I guess if there's anything to say around that, around the importance of actually really good tasty food rather than just eating to nourish ourselves because we have to and if that's something that has really come into your planning around things we recognize the need that some people need to eat and that's probably the only meal they're going to have that day and that's obviously a really important thing but there needs to be dignity in it and you need to recognize like they're a human being and that they're there and they shouldn't just be ignored 
I think it's really important and something that we're actually looking into about how do we recognize that in those spaces in the community spaces and use that space to help people further if it's possible so having somebody who's kind of like an advocacy worker there who's like trained and can identify people who might have certain needs and also some people who might have barriers to access a space that might need somebody there talking to them and supporting them and how you sort of do that because there's so much exclusion that you don't even realize you're creating with these things so like we're always kind of thinking about those kind of elements but yeah like food is like what Jafar said it's like life we would never I don't think Jafar would let anyone serve anything that he didn't think was good (laughs) but yeah people deserve to eat well and I think there's such an interesting thing in this country of like food being so related to class that it just isn't a thing in like so many other countries and it's probably to do with culturally the access we have to food the fact that it's easier or cheaper to buy food that's highly processed and high in fat and sugar and salt than it is to buy vegetables and kind of what chloe was saying about like there isn't a lot of education if you don't have any knowledge of cooking that's not going to change that much so i think that we really the a big message is that people should be eating foods that is good for them that is enjoyable to eat and they should have the power to access that and to make that themselves and that people should have that autonomy regardless of their cultural social economic background i mean the food that we've made at like different events and different people have contributed there's some of the best food i've ever had and it's really really important that that is always a part of it because it's just so valuable so like yeah and we always make sure that we have containers and stuff so people can take stuff away after events if we've got leftovers or we give stuff to food not bombs who then do their community meal so we always try and make sure that we have ways of dispersing that food so that people get it because there's so much food waste in this world so it doesn't need to happen so yeah definitely having food that is good is a fundamental it shouldn't just be access to food as a human right it should be access to nourishing good food as a human right because it doesn't need to be exclusionary it just doesn't it's just ridiculous and it's just been designed that way like the whole concept of veganism there's lots of cultures that eat plant-based or no meat diets and it just became this white western thing that then it's like really difficult to access for anyone that isn't on a certain income level we are a vegan vegetarian project but we don't really push the vegan thing because it can be exclusionary for some people it's more just we make food that people can eat and it's good and lots of the volunteers are not vegan I actually think most of them are not so it's just about recognizing that like yeah you can believe in something but that that thing can also be quite toxic and dangerous and damaging and cause separation and just making sure that you're doing things in the way that doesn't do that as best as possible what you said about dignity and empowering people i think that's why i'm attracted to the sort of food education side of it i think the difference between us and like traditional food provision things is that sense of empowerment and dignity and inclusion rather than just here's food that you can survive on it's here's good food and here's how you can make it and here's how you can bring it into your community and how you can get involved with the community using this good food as a catalyst and I think that's kind of what sets us apart and kind of what really attracted me and like keeps me enjoying and involved in Kim Kitchen. I like more the Kim Kitchen and I love the people and like family and uh, brother and sister we work together. Okay well Thank you all for your time and we've talked around a lot of different things and covered a lot of ground. So I really appreciate your time and chatting through all these things. I'll link all the information to what you do in the description of the podcast so that if anyone's keen to come along to your next event, they can do that. And yeah, if I'm free, I certainly will be because (laughs) your food is amazing. Yeah, and I love what you do. So thank you for the opportunity to talk about the project. Really appreciate your time and the questions. So thank you for, for that.